If we can turn to a familiar scripture of reading in the Old Testament, if you have your Bibles uh, on phone, on pad, whatever it may be, on screen, if you will, um, go ahead and look that up. Otherwise, just join us at the front screen here and find Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, if you will. Amen. Some of these scriptures that we've heard forever bring new meaning to our lives, especially when we're going through a time when we need a reminder from God that he's with us. And so it reads as follows, just a short reading uh, here. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. How many thankful for that word today? Thank you, God, Lord, that you bring a renewing to our lives each and every day. The song we sang this morning reminded us about. The title of my message this morning is simply, There's Power in Staying. Amen. There's power in staying. Staying where God has led us to. And I believe this is a, a powerful principle and a lesson that we all can take away from today that there's power in remaining in that place that God has put you. Yes. Amen. Even if you don't always feel comfortable there, even if you don't always feel um, right at home and everything isn't always perfect in that place, God says, why don't you wait on me a little while because I'm on the way. Amen. How many knows that God's on the way? Um, funny reminder to me today is that um, throughout life, there's, there's always a time of a waiting for our lives. There's always a, a period of waiting. All of us have been to the doctor and have sat endlessly in waiting rooms. That's never fun. Amen. All of us have been in line I was hearing about the storm that was happening on the East Coast and feeling bad for those drivers stuck in those long lines just trying to get out of harm's way. I hate, uh, uh, waiting is, a, is a, a tough lesson for me because I have this much patience about, this much patience, and that's on a good day. <laughs> Amen. So waiting is not my favorite thing, but we've all uh, waited for something um, if you're like me, and you probably are, there's those people on the highway right at rush hour that um, I call lane jumpers. <laughs> and that's me. I'm driving down I-25 or, or C-470 trying to get where I'm going, and that lane's moving just a little faster. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump over here and, and, and see how much further ahead I can get. And it makes me so mad when I look over, and the car that I thought I passed like a mile, I was like, yeah, those... Those guys back there, man, I passed them along, and they're ahead of me. And I'm like, what in the world? What just happened? So, you know, you got those, those lane jumpers, and, and I've learned that if I just stay in my lane, I'm going to get there probably sooner than if I'm jumping around. And that's how life is. We, we jump from one thing to the other thing. And when I was a kid, the adults used to, and I'm probably dating myself, whatever, get over it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but when I was a kid, they, they would always tell me, the adults tell me, you got ants in your pants. You guys ever heard that expression? Because I was always antsy, like trying to do something, wanting to do something, just endless energy. 
And of course, we, we have our curses come back to us in our own children. <laughs> and so if I look a little tired today, we've, we've hung out Lincoln all week. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to blame Lincoln. But, but he's, he's, he's pretty antsy too. But if it's playing football, if it's playing basketball, if it's riding bikes till nighttime comes and till past bedtime, till the parents are yelling out the front door, come home now, you know, just always wanting to do something, always busy. And even in our, our careers, even in our professional lives, a lot of times, we get a little antsy if we've been there just, just a, a couple of years, John. I remember sitting in positions at, at my company, and uh, one company I was with, Avaya, Lucent Technologies, which eventually became Avaya. I was with a company so long, it like changed companies on me. That's bad. But I've learned in, in career that it's good to kind of stick around somewhere. It's good to kind of learn. I had a boss once tell me, you know, learn the ropes, stick with it. Because sometimes when we jump around, we're, we're new and, and learn new things. Every, every jump we make and every leap we take. And sometimes it takes more discipline and it's harder just to stay in place than it is to, to advance or promote or move on or, or move forward or take another step. And we think that's the answer. And God is saying in our spiritual life, just wait on me a while. Amen. Wait on me a while. You're getting a little antsy in your career. You're getting a little antsy in your spiritual life. Amen. Maybe you feel like you're going through a dry spell. Just wait on me a while because I'm on my way with a renewing of strength for your life. Amen. How many is thankful to God for that today? That he reminds us that he's on the way. Amen. He is on the way for us. A quick quip from the good uh, learned Dr. Seuss to kids in his book, Oh, the Places You'll Go, Kids. He reminds us, and you probably remember this excerpt from the book of that, that place called The Waiting Place. And he describes it like this in that chapter. He says, you may be waiting for a train to go or a bus to come or a plane to go or the mail to come. Or the rain to go, or the phone to ring, or the snow to snow, or waiting around for a yes or a no, or waiting for their hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting, waiting for the fish to bite, or waiting for wind to fly a kite, or waiting around for Friday night, or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jake, or a pot to boil, or a better break or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. Dr. Seuss reminds even to a child that there's going to be some periods of waiting in our lives. And so today in this message, I want to bring you four keys. Say keys with me. Keys. Four keys to the waiting places in our lives. And I believe that if we can get a hold of these keys, that God can do a powerful work in each and every one of our lives. Amen. The first key is simply, I've already talked a little bit about it, simply to remain, simply to stand there. Find that place that God is leading you to and just with a dogged determination. Say, I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to stick it out through high or low, through thick or through thin. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to keep with it. God, I'm going to hang in there because God, you have brought me 
to this place for a purpose. Amen, church. So when he takes you there, you might ask, how do I know if God has led me to this place? Amen. How many knows that God leads people to, to desert places sometimes? He led Joseph to a pit. A pit, God? I had, a, I had dreams. I had big dreams of, of, of high uh, achievements. And, and I find myself in this pit, God, what are you doing? Joseph is a prime example of the kind of character and the kind of spirit and the kind of attitude that God is cultivating in each and every one of us in that process when he puts us in that, in that pit place, in that waiting place, and he says, what are you going to produce out of your life in this place? Amen. The, the pathway to your promotion, the pathway to your elevation, the pathway to your blessings in God and favoring God might make its way through a pit, amen, of despair, if you will. But yet Joseph made the most of that waiting place. Joseph didn't, didn't hang his head and say, man, this is exactly everything that opposite of what I expected from you, God. Joseph didn't whine or, or moan or complain or, 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 or be down, down in the mouth, as the saying says, be critical, be complaining, but, but yet he made the most of it. He made so much of that place that God had put him that God actually elevated him to the lead servant of the household. Amen. Imagine if in your place of waiting on God, you could turn that situation into a promotion even in that waiting time. Imagine in that place of waiting on God, you could turn that, that thing into glory and honor for God. You could turn that thing into a place where God can say, that's my child, amen. He's demonstrating the, the character and the attitude and the personality that I want to bless in his life. And of course, you know, as the story goes on, that Joseph uh, was accused of Potiphar's wife. And, 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 of course, he, he escaped from that, that place where, where temptation was, and, and he found himself in a jail cell, from the pit to the jail cell. And yet Joseph's attitude remained the same. He said, I'm going to stay in the plan of God. I imagine Joseph, with the keys to the jail, probably could have took off and, and, and made his own way and said, okay, God, I'm out of here. I don't know uh, what you were planning for me, but whatever it was, I'm sure this isn't it. I'm, I'm taking off. I'm out of here. And a lot of us get ants in our pants where we, we want to take off and we want to skedaddle. And we want to hit the highway and hit the road and, and, and bail or whatever expression you want to use. I'm, I'm out of here, God. But Joseph learned to stay in that place. It's amazing that every time we jump to a new situation, it almost seems like we've got to start over with the same old lessons. <laughs> okay, God, what are you teaching me here? You're teaching me some patience. You're teaching me some, some good attitude. Hallelujah. Because God was working in Joseph's life. So find a place that God leads you to and plant yourself there. How do I know that I'm in the right place and God leads me there? Because you're going to have a peace in your spirit. It's going to feel right. You're going to, it's going to feel, amen, like you're connected with God, but it's not going to be perfect. Amen. It might have uh, pitted walls around it. 
It might have barred walls around it. It's not going to be perfect. There's going to be room for improvement. There's going to be uh, uh, things that you desire that you're seeking God and you're waiting for. Hallelujah. Because when you're in that place, you have an enemy, friend, and he's going to try to take you out of that position. When you're in that place where God led you, Paul described in Ephesians chapter 6 where he said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Hallelujah. He explained to us that you've got an adversary that is going to try to plant some doubt in your mind. You've got an adversary that's going to try to plant some negativity in your life, in your heart, that's going to try to knock you off your center, that's going to try to take you out of the realm that God has led you in, in that waiting room where God is trying to do more in your life. Hallelujah. And Paul said, I want to give you some tools to allow you to stand. Because a lot of times in life, church, it's harder to stand in a place than it is to just move around. It's harder to stake your claim and to stake your ground and to claim that mountain and stay there and fight for it with all you've got. Paul said, I've got to give you some tools. He said, take to you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. He says it's going to take all you've got to stand. Amen. Having given everything you've got just to stand, just to stand. Hallelujah. Just to stand therefore, giving your best. Amen. And yet, it being all it's going to take just to keep you in place. He said, and he gave some principles of things that we could help our position. And a couple of things I want to point out in this scripture. First off, I want to point out in verse 15, he says, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen. I want to tell you today that people aren't your enemy in life. The devil's your enemy. Amen. You don't wrestle people. You don't wrestle flesh and blood, but you wrestle principalities and darkness, church. Amen. The neighbor across the street, that's not my enemy. The the churchgoer across the aisle, that's not my enemy. That's my opportunity to give peace. He said, have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. If the enemy can get you distracted from looking at him and targeting him to targeting others, amen, he can knock you off your stance. It's the gospel of peace that gives the traction for our feet to keep us in place. Amen. I challenge this church, go out and find peace on your job place. Go out and find peace with that one that might rub you the wrong way. Amen. Because the enemy is going to try to use that to get you off of your center. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace to keep your footing, church. Another part, he says in the next verse, he says, Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Amen. He's going to launch some arrows your way. He's going to launch some some problems your way. He's going to launch some situations your way to distract you and to take you away. Amen. From what God is trying to do in each and every one of our lives. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's power in waiting on him. 
So we've learned to remain. We've learned to stay in that place. The second key I want to bring to this church in that place is to learn to trust in him. Amen. In the waiting place, it's hard to trust in him because we don't know his timing. We don't understand his, his, his ways and, and his plan altogether. He hasn't revealed it to us, and yet I've got to trust in him with what he's doing in my life. Hallelujah. Peter tried to come to Jesus in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verse 28. Bible says a storm stirred up. The winds were kicking up. The waves were crashing high about the boat. And on that boat and in that place, it says, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come on the water. Peter was saying, Lord, I don't know if you're out there. How many's felt that way sometimes? God, I, I don't know if, if, if you can see me right now, God, where I am in the storm. I don't know if you're, you can hear me, God. I don't know if you're there. I don't know if you're aware of what I'm going through, what I'm dealing with, what I'm struggling with. God, I don't know if you can hear my prayer, my voice, God. Are the heavens brass? Are the heavens impenetrable right now? God, are you so far away? Amen. And God is saying, my child, can't you just trust me? Can't you just trust me in this place that I know exactly where you're at? That I have you in the palm of my hand. Amen. That I have not taken my eyes away from you, but I'm on my way. I'm coming to rescue you. But Peter got hands in his pants. He said, I'm out of here. I, I want to get out of this ship. And, and we hear this story so many times about Peter walking on water. But I want to bring a different angle to you this morning. And Jesus said, okay, go ahead. Come. Get out of the boat. It's amazing God is, is with us even when we want to go our own way and do our own thing. God is so loving and so patient and, and so forgiving and so understanding. Even when we sidetrack, it would have been so much easier if we would have just remained in place. But even when we step out, hallelujah, of what he's doing. He, Jesus told them to get in the boat. And Peter's trying to get out of the boat. Jesus told them to ride in the boat to the other side. And Peter's trying to backtrack. And, and Jesus said, okay, come on, Peter. Go ahead. Step out of the boat. You know, it's like my, my dad used to talk to me when I was hard-headed and, and stubborn. Or my mom, okay, fine. Go ahead. You can, you can have your way this time. Knowing that it was going to be, uh, you know, harder for me in that, in that circumstance. And so Peter, he gets out of the ship and walks on the water to go to Jesus. But when he sees the, the surroundings, a lot of time it's, it's worse outside the boat than it is inside the boat where God has us in that place of safety. And he, he freaks out and is afraid, and he begins to sink, and he cries, say, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus grabs him by the hand and pulls him up and says, oh, you of little faith, where did you doubt? Amen. I believe that Jesus was talking to him not only in the water, but in the boat. How could you doubt me? Amen. How can you doubt that it's me? that's coming for you? How can you doubt that it's me that, that's uh, coming to the boat where you are? And finally, in the last verse I'll read, in verse 31, or uh, 32, sorry, the Bible says, and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. 
It wasn't until they got back in the ship that everything remained calm. Amen. Because he's coming for you and he's coming for me. The next, the third place that I want to take us, the third key that I want to take us to this morning in our waiting place is the place of contentment. Amen. It's hard to be content in a storm. It's hard to be content in a prison cell of, of situations and circumstances that are surrounding us. But in first, uh, Philippians verse four and, or chapter 4, verse 11, Paul described it this way. He said, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content. So we learn to stand and stay and remain. We learn to trust in him. Amen. And this isn't an exhaustive lesson this morning, but these are some keys that will bless our lives. And we learn contentment in that place. Hallelujah. We learn to be content where God has put us. Amen. I'm thankful for the peace of God, the contentment of God that can come into my life. There's one way to know that you're ready for promotion in God. There's one way to know, one surefire way is when you can sit back and say, God, I'm okay right here where you have me. If it's a storm, if it's a trial, if it's trouble, I trust in you, God. I'm staying put, and I'm okay with being in this place. I'm finally okay, amen, with being where you've placed me. And God said, yes, this is what I'm looking for from your life. I can take you to another level now. Amen. I found in, in our marriage and throughout Bree and I's life is, is when we finally thrown up our hands and surrender and says, you know what? This is good right here, God. You know, it, it, whatever you're doing or wherever you have us, this is good right here. And invariably, I've seen God change the circumstances of our life. Just turn it around. Amen. Move us to another place. Move us to another, uh, another uh, height in him, if you will. And I'm so thankful for that. It's when I find contentment in that place that God can see that I'm ready. The way to tell that I'm not ready when, is when there's discontentment that remains in my life. When I'm kicking and screaming, when I'm pulling my hair out and, and I'm, I'm arguing with God and saying, God, this doesn't feel right. And, and I see this wrong and, and I'm complaining about this and, and I'm criticizing this because it's, it's just not how I think it should be. And, 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 and I'm all just turned upside down in my emotions. Amen. God says, I, I need to do some more work there in that life. Be content in the place that God has us. First Timothy chapter six, verse six says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. There's a great gain in your life when you can be godly and be content at the same time. Flip to verse eight, if you will, as well, Bobby. And he says, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. If, if God's put food on your table, if he put clothes on your back, Amen. Do we know that he will take care of the rest of our lives if we allow him to? He said, remain in that place and remain in that place with contentment. Joseph learned the lesson. Israel struggled mightily in this place. 
Amen. Allow me, if you will, just to take you a little ways down the path that Israel had taken with God's deliverance for their life. God said, get up. I'm taking you out of Egypt, whether it be miracles, whether it be uh, performances uh, by my hand of wrath against the Egyptians. I'm freeing you from this place. And he delivered them into a wilderness doesn't sound like much of a, you know, much of a, a progression there, but he led them into a wilderness of deliverance. And Israel did everything that Joseph did not. Israel didn't make the most of their situation, even though God was raining manna from heaven. Amen. If, if a person were to make the most of that situation, how many's eaten a, a meal several times in a row? And like, man, I'm, I'm just over. I'm over chili beans, right? I've, I've had it to the gills, and let's move on to a new recipe. And so the Israelites felt that way, but like times exponentially because they were having manna every day. And, and I was just thinking in my, ways, in my head, how would I make the most of that situation? And I thought, you know what? I could make a manna a, a manna dessert cookbook you imagine how that would sell you could make manna dessert you could have manna a la key i mean uh, or whatever it is i am not a culinary by any stretch of the means so with me it would probably manna grilled cheese you know heated um in the microwave or something something really bad but but you know that's something you could do if the sun was, was hot in their eyes in the desert, take some of your extra clothes because God made their clothes last forever and ever. Take some of those excess that you have and make some like sunshades. Those would sell like hotcakes, right? Right, Ben? Do that. Uh, you know, things that you could do uh, if you're in the desert and, and you're stuck there and, and you're trying to make the most of the situation. The thing that you don't want to do is raise up Complaint after complaint to God's ears. A journey that, a waiting room that would have probably taken them a fraction of the time took them 40 years to wait on God to do something. Until a generation had passed off the scene, would God make them wait before he promoted them into the land of promise? Took them forever because of their attitude, because of their complaining. Amen. Church, what am I trying to say today? Let's learn to wait on God. Let's learn to wait on God the right way. Amen. The, the right spirit and the right heart and with a contentment in our lives that say, God, I trust you, Lord. I'm allowing you to work on this old bag of bones and flesh to, to create in me the kind of heart, God, that you want to see in my life. Oh, hallelujah. I'm learning to be content in the place that you've got me today, God. I'm learning to accept your plan for my life. It may not always be pretty, God. It may not always be perfect, but I know that you are there. God, I know that you're my father. I know that you're my creator. I know that you love me today, God, and you've got my best interest in your heart and in your mind. Oh, hallelujah. Promotion in God's kingdom isn't just handed out, it's earned when he, we allow him to work in our lives. It's not like uh, kids who, who get handed everything 
um, just, just freely and willfully. It's like the one that has to strive for it, that has to fight for it, that has to wait for it, that has to allow. How many wants to do things God's way? Amen. I'm tired of doing things my way. I'm tired of doing things, uh, just jumping from, from situation to situation. But God, I'm going to allow you to work on me, and I'm going to allow you to work your plan in my life. The final key I want to come to in this message today is simply the word endurance. God is trying to build some endurance in our lives, church. Amen. God is trying to work some longevity in our hearts today, some sustainability, some lasting in our lives to endure. The scripture we read at the opening of this message simply said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. But look at this last line and tell me what this is describing to you. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know what that means to us today? That means you've got some endurance in your life. That means that you can make, this isn't a sprint that we're in today. This isn't a, a short journey. In the Old Testament, it says the, the race isn't given to the swift or the strong. It's not about being the fastest in God's kingdom. It's not about being the most powerful. God says, I want to, I want to see you make it all the way to the end. I want to see you all the way to the finish line. I want, I don't want you to just go halfway or partway, but I want you to go all the way in me. He, hallelujah. He said, if you will wait on me, I will give you a strength and an endurance for your life. Hallelujah. That will sustain you and will keep you to the end. Hear my voice today, church. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear that God is trying to create a lasting faith in your heart. Oh, hallelujah. We're living in an hour where people are falling away out of fatigue. We're living in a day and age where people are falling out, out of, oh, you've been through it. Bree and I have been through it in ourselves. There were points when I've, I was burnout, church, flat burnout. There were places in Bria's life with trials and storms that had attacked her where she was weary and barely hanging on her faith by a thread. Hear me today, church. There have been points in our life where we've been uh, just so worn out and strung out and broke down to where we're wondering, God, are you real anymore? You know what I mean today. You know what I mean this morning when I talk about this. You've been at places where you've questioned everything you've ever known about God and his love and his mercy for you. Hallelujah. You've waited so long. Hallelujah. It feels like an eternity and nothing's happening and nothing's changing. And God is saying, I am working in your life to do a work. Oh, hallelujah, Joseph. Yes, you're in a pit for a while. Yes, you're in a jail cell for a while. But know, hallelujah, that I'm preparing you for a seven-year famine down the road. Oh, mighty God. Hallelujah. Moses, yes, you're on the backside of a hill in the desert. But know that I'm preparing you 
for a wilderness to walk through and a dead sea to cross over. Jesus waited 30 years before his ministry began because the preparation in his life would take him to a rugged cross. Oh, hallelujah, because the preparation in his life would take him to a bitter cup that he would have to drink. And he would have to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If you'll stand with me this morning, church. Oh, hallelujah, I don't know what lies around the next bend.